to another titillating episode, yes. Scissors and Scrubs. I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. Easter's around the corner. We're getting, I can see my little tulips coming out mm-hmm. of the ground, the daffodils. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 60 this weekend. It is? Yes, it's Ooh. supposed to be 60 tomorrow. Oh, nice. But I think it might snow at the end of the week. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's spring in New England. Mm-hmm. Anything's game. So we thought we'd kind of cover um, Easter. Easter, like... Mm-hmm. All right, we're not really pulling a religious thing, but mm-hmm. these are all <laughs> related to Catholicism. It is. <laughs> uh, so you're going to cover... Oh. I'm going to cover... Katad. Katad. Yeah. I'm not... I know I'm going to say that wrong. I'm going to say it 18 different ways, so God bless. And Jerusalem Syndrome. Ooh, I can't wait for these. And, I've never uh, heard of either of these things in my I'm going to go over um, the fun things that Romans like to do to people they didn't like, the ending things. with the crucifixion. Very creative. Yeah, yeah. how they did that. Um mm-hmm. I mean, right now it's 10 o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. yeah. Mike's on this fucked up schedule yeah. that we're recording at 10 a.m. instead it's of not evening. Nice. Not on my game. The no. Bloody Marys aren't enough it's to get me going at 10 o'clock in the morning. So power through until Mike's back to his regu- regular schedule programming and we're recording at night when it's a lot more fun. I have a Bloody Mary, a water, and a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a mix-up. Yeah. <laughs> The coffee and the Bloody Mary, I think they're just going to cancel each other out. I don't know if it's... You might want to lay off the coffee for a few minutes. Ugh, I guess. You know, I mean, what's a good... I love a good Bloody Mary. This, this is Throw delicious. some bacon, fucking olives oh, and shit. Blue cheese. Oh. Mm. We need to go away where we're just... Like, I want to go... There's a place in Maine that has 21 types of Bloody Marys. No. I would like to sit and go through all 21, but three and I'd be throwing up yeah. in my eggs, but... That's a lot of tomato juice. <laughs> A lot, a lot of acid, a lot of reflux. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't mind sitting down mm. just having some couple of good There's plates. a place around here that has a brunch. In I mean, why are we not doing regular that? times, not COVID times. And it's, um, they have like a Bloody Mary bath. And why are we not doing that? Oh, I think it's COVID, but. I want one COVID. of those Bloody Marys that has like a slider on it. Yeah, the whole hamburger. <laughs> like my eggs come yeah. in the Bloody Mary. Okay. Okay. All right. So you want to kick it off with um, Katad's. Yes, let's go with Katad. We had to literally Google how to say this word because it's spelled so. We're just going to go with Katad. Katad, C O T A R D. So whatever you want to call that, Katad delusion. I got this information from Healthline.com by an article written by Nancy Moyer. Moyer. Katad delusion is a very rare condition where a person believes that they they or certain body parts. I can't wait for where you go with are dead, dying, or don't exist. So they just wake up and my arm's dead. And it's, or it's, my arm, I'm looking at it, but it's not there. Yes. Or I'm dead. I know I'm here talking to you, <laughs> but I'm actually dead. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Symptoms of this. Um, nihilism is the main symptom, which what the hell is that, that is the belief that nothing has any meaning or value or that nothing really exists. So you just believe like, it doesn't matter if I walk in front of a bus because this isn't reality. Like, kind of, wow. nothing really matters. Um, another symptom is that you, f- well, you feel <laughs> like you're dead or rotting away. I feel like that. Anyway. I feel. I'm I feel aging like my every day. Rotting right away. As I put my makeup on and I have to look down into the mirror, I'm like, oh. what the fuck? I um, need a facelift. Yeah. So you feel like you're dead or rotting, and they feel like they never actually existed. Like somehow this is all like. I don't know, someone's dream or some, it's made up or they've never Is this like a sudden onset type of thing or is this like they always have felt this way? Um, no, it's a sudden onset. No, like you wake up one day and you're like, I've been dead dead. for years. I'm wearing a sheet with two eyes cut out and that's it. (laughs) 
Um, some people feel like the entire body is dead or dying. And some people feel like specific limbs or organs or their soul is dead or dying. <laughs> or their soul. <laughs> My soul said, has been crushed. I don't actually have this. Um, they can have anxiety, hallucinations, hypochondria, guilt, preoccupation with hurting themselves or death. You know. This is weird. It is. It's a very. This is really weird. So when Jack was little and I cannot remember if it was his arm or his leg. But it used to make me so nervous because he would say it all the time. Do you remember this, Mike? He'd be like, my arm isn't right. Like, I I shouldn't have this arm. Like, he had this thing. I don't know if it was like a nerve. You know, something was bothering him in it. And he would say it all the time. They're like, I don't want this arm. Like, I don't want this. And I'd be like, oh, my God. I know there's some disease that you think that's hot to you. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, he outgrew it. I think he probably had like a pinched nerve. Or like pins and needles or something. But he would say it all the time. I don't want this arm. This arm shouldn't be on me. And I'm like, oh, God. Can I get a new one? Don't cut that off, please. Um, So causes and risk factors that they don't know what the what causes this. They have no idea what causes this disease. Studies have shown the average age of patients is 50. Oh, I'm close. Although it can be seen in kids and teenagers. Uh, Women are more likely to develop it. Uh Uh-oh. People under 25 that have it usually have, like, bipolar depression as well. So this is more like a psych issue. It's a psych issue. Um, Other um, things that cause it. Bipolar, postpartum depression, catatonia, dispersonalization disorder, disassociative disorder, psychotic depression, and schizophrenia. So it's all... It makes sense that with these... It's in the gambit. Yeah. It's also associated with brain infections, oh. brain tumors, dementia, epilepsy, migraines, watch out, um, MS, <laughs> Parkinson's, stroke, or TBI. So anything that's going to affect your brain can then Did cause this to come Did you read that book, um, Brain on Fire? No. About the, this girl who was... Um, it's been a while since I've read the book, so don't quote me on it. She was a... Rep- uh, she wrote for a magazine mm-hmm. and she started like, she'd look at the pictures and the pictures would go funny and she started having delusions and she started seeing colors weird ways and she started acting bizarrely and all this stuff. Mm. And they kept putting her in psych facilities. And then eventually they found out she had this massive brain infection oh. and it took like years to clear uh. up the infection. And they said a lot of people they think are misdiagnosed that have this infection. It was, just, it was a really, I mean, yeah. she has pictures of her in the hospital She's like, I don't remember months of my life of things that had happened. And her mother being there, her father would show up and she wouldn't know who he was. And she'd yell at him and she'd throw things at him. And everybody was like, what is going on? She's back to normal now. But it was a huge brain infection. Yeah. It was in this one random doctor figured, figured it, out. it out. Yeah. It's always one random doctor. I know. We, we had a patient one time and we were doing a craning for an infection. We were doing a brain surgery for an infection in their brain. I have never in my life, when we peeled back the bone flap. Oh, gross. I can The already... smell of that infection. Your brain shouldn't smell. No. Your brain shouldn't smell Mm-mm. like anything. It doesn't smell Mm-mm. like anything. And nothing should ooze out of it when you open it up. The smell that came out when we lifted that bone flap, I thought I was going to die. How did it they was... get it? Do you know? I don't remember. I Honest to God, I don't remember. And I was like, it was back when we were in like the, the other building. Other building. That's disgusting. I was like, oh, I just... I think I might have been a surgical tech then. It was the smell. I couldn't. This woman's brain. Stunk. It raw, reeked. It was disgusting. That's disgusting. That's so disgusting. be careful with the. I think it might have been a sinus infection. I'm not 100 Oh, those can be nasty. But I do have a fan. I do remember like being like, this is what happens when you let your sinus infection When you go. don't blow your nose right. <laughs> so blow your nose. Um, <laughs> diagnosis for Cotard syndrome. 
are, um, it's really diagnosed by ruling out other diseases. So, but usually it occurs alongside with other mental illnesses. So you might be diagnosed with two things. So you could have bipolar depression and catarrh. So mm-hmm. don't be surprised if you get more than one diagnosis. Um, treatment for this is because it usually appears with other mental illnesses. They will treat the with, other illnesses. Yeah, antidepressants, antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, psychotherapy, behavioral therapy, and they can use um, ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy. That is um, most like the most commonly used treatment. They say for this. that is a really successful treatment for yes, people. So people, I, it's they zap your brain. Yeah, right? it's not like you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest where they stick the rubber thing in your mouth and they you know yeah. shock the shit out of you. They, they put you to sleep and anesthesia. It's so it's it like it's resets the with, brain. Right, it's used a lot with severe depression. Mm-hmm. Like severe depression. Nothing helps you. You can't get out of it. You want to kill yourself. Um, yeah. So they use small electric currents that pass through your brain to create small seizures mm-hmm. while you're under general anesthesia. So you are asleep. You are yeah, not you don't know what's awake going on. while any of this is happening. But they cause these little seizures in your brains, which normally you don't want. Little seizures. But it like resets. It yeah. like reprograms your brain somehow. Um, and they do come out. A lot of times feeling bad. Yeah. When I went, uh, I did my psych rotation and one of the patients was having, she was inpatient because she wanted to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Like she said, all she could think about every day, all day long was killing herself, killing herself, mm-hmm. killing herself. She said, but after this, cause I asked her, I'm like, do you, do you think it helps? She's like, absolutely. Like, I don't think like that anymore. And she was discharged shortly after, oh, but I was talking recently to a nurse who had been a psych nurse. And she said, sometimes you have to be careful because when they're that depressed, they can't formulate a plan on how to kill themselves. And now after the ECT, they they have this clearer thinking. Clear, yeah. And she said that's a lot of times when they'll finish it. Yeah. So I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Right. She's like, yeah, it can be bad. Yeah, that's... But they do say it helps. Yeah. Um, And they only do it in severe cases. Right. Um, So they do, they do ECT with Cotard um, syndrome. Risks of ECT are memory loss, memory loss, <laughs> confusion, Slurred nausea, speech. and muscle aches. Yeah. <laughs> so complications of Cotard syndrome are if you feel like you are dead or never existed, complications can arise. <laughs> um, you stop bathing. You stop taking care of yourself because you think you're dead. So mm-hmm. why are you why, bathing? Why am I doing any of this? Care of yeah. yourself? Um, which leads to more isolation. Because people don't want to be near you because you smell you and you're you not put your brain together. smells. Um, which leads to worsening depression. It also leads to skin and teeth problems. Ooh. And guess what that makes you feel like? Like you're dead. Like you're rotting. Yeah. So then they're like, see, I'm rotting. I'm rotting. And because they're perpetuating it with yeah. the not taking care of yourself because you're dead. And then now your body's rotting because you're not taking care of it. Well, speaking of rotting, uh-huh. this morning I'm... Of course, I Facebook every morning like it's the morning newspaper. Right. You know, believe everything you read. But some guy, you know how they do those pictures of the meth heads and what they look like before yes. they first. This woman. I don't like not only I can't even describe. She was the worst I've ever seen of these meth head progressions. Ugh. No teeth. She was almost bald by the end. She must have been, I'm going to say like early 30s. She looked like she was 80. All her teeth were gone. She was all sunken in skinny. Her hair was a mess like Unrecognized. My husband was like, "That's not the same person." I'm like, that's the same person. He's like, "That's no way the same." It's unreal. It was unreal. unreal. Talk about rotting out. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So go ahead. Digression. Um, they stop eating and drinking because they're dead. Mm-hmm. So they don't need to. And 
then that can lead to malnutrition, starvation, which then makes you look like you're skinny <laughs> rotting and away and rotting away. Um, also, suicide attempts are complications. They're trying to prove that they're dead by killing themselves. Yeah. So, well, because they can't die again. Right. So they're like, I can oh, watch. I'm dead. I'm going to go stand in front of that car. It's not going to do anything because I'm already dead. Like, right. so they don't. That's it's not really like I'm trying to kill myself. It's more. I'm proving you I'm, I'm proving dead. to you. I'm dead. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, or some of them do do it, do commit suicide or try to commit suicide um, to stop feeling trapped because okay. they feel like I'm dead. I'm here. I'm not doing anything. I have no existence. Like, right. Maybe this will end it. Um, so you, these people are living with a serious mental disorder. Meds and therapy and DCT can help them. You can get out of this. It's right. not a, you're not going to feel like you're dead for the rest of your life. You can get, you need to get help because you can't get yourself out of this. That's bizarre. That's the most syndrome. bizarre thing I've ever heard. Like what a weird manifestation yeah. of a mental illness. It's like, yeah, no, I'm dead. Really? You know, yeah. Don't look uh, at me. I'm dead. I forgot. I had little stories. Uh oh, I love stories. Yeah. Um, so these are like ten, ten records of people with Cotard's delusion. In 1788, Charles Bonnet reported one of the earliest recorded cases of Cotard's delusion. An elderly woman was preparing a meal when she felt a draft and then became paralyzed on one side of her body. <laughs> when failing movement and the ability to speak came back to her, she told her daughters to dress her in a shroud and place her in a coffin. For days, she continued to demand that her daughter's friends and maid treat her like she was dead. <laughs> they finally gave in, putting her in a shroud and in and a coffin, laying her out so they could mourn her. Even at the quote unquote wake, the lady continued to fuss with her shroud and complain about the color. <laughs> um, this color makes me look dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she finally relaxes, falls asleep, whatever. Her family undresses her, puts her to bed. And after she was treated with powder of precious stones and opium, her delusions went away. Well, opium will cure anything. <laughs> they did return a couple months later. A um, hundred years after that. 18-something. Yeah. And French neurologist Jules Cotard. Hence the name. Yeah, saw a patient with an unusual complaint. Mademoiselle X, <laughs> um, as Cotard called her, claimed to have no brain, no nerves, no chest, no stomach, and no intestines. Despite this, she also believed she was eternal and would live forever. Since oh. she was immortal and didn't have any innards anyway, she didn't see the need to eat and soon died of starvation. Oh, good. Katar's description of this woman's condition spread widely and was very influential, and the disorder was eventually named after him. So don't they hear the sounds your stomach makes and don't right. they feel hungry? I don't. Like, if, I'm fe- if I think I'm dead... I'm going to be living on cheesecake and burgers. You know what I mean? Like, I will be having three meals a day Mm -hmm. at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Who cares at that point? I know. I'm dead. I'm sure they just, you know, that's like my ribs rotting away or something. In 2008, New York psychiatrist reported a 53-year-old patient, Ms. Lee, who complained that she was dead and smelled like rotting flesh. Mm. Mm. She asked her family to take her to a morgue so that she could be with (laughs) other dead people. They dialed 911 instead. I don't instead. mean to laugh. It's mental illness. but it's sad, but it's, it's just funny so when somebody's odd. like, could you take me to the morgue, please? Yeah. I want to be with my friends. Uh, Miss Lee was admitted to the psychiatric unit where she accused paramedics of trying to burn her house down. After a month or so of a drug regimen, she was released with great improvement in her symptoms. Um, so you can't, once you get help, you can. You can get better. Get better. You stop hanging in the morgue. Yeah. 
1996, a Scottish man who suffered a head injury in a motorcycle accident began to believe he had died from complications during his recovery. Um, not long after he completely completely recovered, he and his mother moved from Edinburgh to South Africa. The heat, he explained to his doctors, confirmed his belief because only hell could be so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, he's never been to New Orleans in June. No. I thought that was hysterical. It's like, see, I'm in see, hell. I'm in hell. I am burning alive here in South Africa. Um, in 2012, oh Japanese doctor no, described a 69-year-old patient who declared to one of the doctors, I guess I'm dead. I'd like to ask for your opinion. When the doctor asked him whether a dead man could speak, the patient recognized that his condition defied logic, but could not shake his conviction that he was deceased. After a year, his delusion passed, but he insisted on the truth of what happened during it. Now I am alive, but I was once dead. Um, he also believed that Kim Jong-il was also a patient at the same hospital. <laughs> Which, I mean, that could, could be true. Could be, could be true. What the heck, was there electricity there? Because I think North Korea has no electricity. Right. <laughs> um, I love when they, like, quantify with, but he also believed he was in hell because yeah. he was in South <laughs> In 2009, Belgian psychiatrists reported the case of an 88-year-old man who came to the hospital with symptoms of depression. The man explained that he was dead and was concerned and anxious that no one had buried him yet. <laughs> I'm running. Hello. After treatment. I love that the poor people, like, I'm, I'm really worried. Like, I should be buried. Why yeah, I need to be in the morgue. Yeah. My friends are all there. Yeah. Um, these same Belgian doctors also treated a 46-year-old woman who claimed to have not eaten nor gone to the bathroom in months. No how, slept in years. How did she not go to the bathroom? I mean, I don't understand You can't control the that. Or the eating. But the sleeping, I totally hear her. <laughs> but I you can't control. Like, no. if you're going to pee, you're going to pee. Yeah. She explained that all her organs had rotted, that she had no blood, and that the doctors who monitored her heart or took her blood pressure were deceiving her because her heart didn't beat. <laughs> After multiple, multiple admissions to the hospital and a lapse in taking her medication over the next 10 months, her condition did gradually improve. Um, Greek psychiatrist received a patient in 2003 who believed he was literally empty-headed. He <laughs> I know a lot of people like yeah. that. They don't believe it, though. <laughs> I had, know they were out yeah. You clearly have no brain. He had attempted suicide years earlier because he thought it wasn't worth living since he didn't have a brain. He was not treated <laughs> after the incident and brain. simply returned to work. <laughs> like, they did They were like, yeah, go. You're fine. You're like, good. I mean. Okay. Yeah. All right. Once at the hospital, he claimed that he was born without a mind, meaning that his head was empty without a brain. And for this reason, he is retarded. That is a quote. I'm yes. Not. Um, he left against medical advice after several days and was readmitted the next year. This time he completed treatment and showed sustained improvement in a follow-up interview months later. So once he stuck with the treatment. Well, it's hard. These psych patients have a hard time sticking, sticking with, with their the, treatment. Because it's, you know, you're, it makes them feel you're already. They... It makes you feel crappy. It makes you feel like you're not alive. Yeah. And then. I, they're also paranoid, so like right. this med is doing this yeah. to me, you know. So they're they trying stop to grow my brain. Them. Yeah. Um, these Greek doctors also treated a 72-year-old woman who went to the ER claiming all of her organs had melted, only skin had remained, and that she was practically dead. She was admitted to the hospital, and her outcome um, was not reported. No. Oh. Mm. Okay. And then in 2005, Iranian doctors described what may be the most unusual case recorded. Uh-oh. A 32-year-old man arrived at the hospital saying that not only was he dead, but that he had been turned into a dog. <laughs> he said that his wife had suffered the same fate. His three daughters, he believed, had also died and had turned into sheep. Oh. He said that his relatives had tried to poison him, but that nothing could hurt him because God protected him even in death. And he's he, a dog. Yes. He was diagnosed with cotards and 
um, treated with ECT therapy and relieved of all his major symptoms. So this guy was definitely out. Oh, he was out. You know, and the ECT relieved all symptoms. So thank God for treatment. Get help. If you have any of those thoughts, like, I might be dead. Go get help. They can treat you. If you think the morgue is the happening place, yeah, you don't want to hang out with other Get a little shock therapy. Yeah. Wow. Get some help. My favorite is, I I have to be in hell. (laughs) That is my all-time favorite. See? Yeah, I'm in, see? See? Clearly, I'm burning to death. No one else feels this heat? (laughs) I'm sorry. That's that's the best. (laughs) All right. um, Are you going to... Do you want me to do Jerusalem? I think, yeah, because okay. mine kind of all goes together. All right. So, um, all right. So, Jerusalem disease. So, then I did Jerusalem syndrome. This is not a technical medical diagnosis. Okay. It is a... Syndrome. It's a syndrome. It's like a... No, I'll get into it. But okay. it's not like in... If you looked it up in the diagnosis it's book, it be won't there. be in there. But it is a phenomenon that happens. And I got this from... Oh, I got that article with all those people's um, stories. Where the hell did I get that from? I have it right in front of me. I got it from an article um, on Health Online by Matt Soniak from 2003. I like that his name rhymes. Matt Soniak. I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, And I got the Jerusalem Syndrome information from HowStuffWorks.com and Wikipedia. Um, Jerusalem... I don't, if people don't know, Jerusalem's a Taurus <laughs> magnet, especially for Christians, Jews, and Muslims on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. So Jerusalem is the, hub. the Holy Land. It is the place. Yeah. Christians go to see the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, where Jesus was crucified and buried in the Via della Rosa, which is the path Jesus walked while carrying the cross. So devout Christians go to mm-hmm. see, you know, where he died, where he Walk walked. the path. Usually they right go, up, it's the homeland. Like right about Holy land. Week, they start to, yeah. and they recreate it, and blah, blah, blah. Jewish people go, uh, well, Je- Jewish people feel the whole city is holy, mm-hmm. but especially the Western Wall. The Wheeling Wall. Yeah, which is the only thing that remains of the great temple that was destroyed by the Romans. So you'll see pictures of, like, politicians and, you know, whatever, yeah. at the Wailing Wall mm-hmm. of the Western Wall. Put little wall. notes in the wall. Yeah, and they put little notes, and everybody stands, puts the hand on yeah. it. Um, that's where Jewish people go to... I don't know. Acknowledge the Holy yeah. Land. Um, Muslims go to the Dome of the Rock, which is a shrine that is the third holiest place in the Islam faith. Wow. So Jerusalem's full of it. Yeah. Jerusalem is just full of every, every religious religion. Pretty much possible. is probably yeah. there. Um, so with all of this holiness, a lot of people become overwhelmed, mm-hmm. right? Because you you've been brought up in any overcome. of these religions that you know you're told this is what happened, this is what's important, this you know. You're brought up on this, and then you go there, and you're like, oh, my God, this is where this happens. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but some experience a rare psychosis called Jerusalem Syndrome. It is a group of mental phenomena that involves the presence of religiously-themed obsessive ideas, delusions, or other psychotic experiences that are triggered by a trip to Jerusalem. All right. Um, 80% of people who suffer from Jerusalem Syndrome have a history of mental illness. Oh. Some doctors say the other 20% have no history, but some dispute that. Like, right. they'll go, and these people have this, I'll get into it, and they experience this Jerusalem syndrome, and say they have no history of any mental disorder, like, blah, 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 blah. And then some people, like, well, they were probably on they the They just end. never went to the doctor. They were probably here for this pilgrimage because they are so obsessive. Right. You know, a lot of people who take pil- holy pilgrimages are 
already obsessed. The fanatical. Fanatical about religion, which can, you know, comes right. up a lot the, from the stigma. I mean, you hear people who've gone to Medjugorje, they all come back with these stories yes. of, you know, my rosary beads turned to gold. Right. And, you know. Um, so Jerusalem syndrome has been recorded as far back as the Middle Ages. Wow. There are three types. Type one, a person has a known history of psychotic illness and travels to Jerusalem because of this illness, thinking that they have a mission to be completed. So Mm -hmm. they feel like their mental illness is driving them. I have to complete this religious mission. Um, Type two, it's not really an um, illness, more of a cultural obsession with the significance of Jerusalem by a person or group. So you don't have a mental illness leading you to go to Jerusalem, but it's like a you were raised in, I don't. I don't want to say, I'm, I'm going to say the word cult. It's not a, right. but you're raised with you're such fanatical. Bo- fanatical. I mean, I would love beliefs. to go to Jerusalem. I don't right. find myself fanatical. I no. would like to go, but. But this type two, they don't have a mental illness. They're just really fanatical. Yeah. They have a cultural obsession. And type three are people that previously, that were previously mentally balanced and they become psychotic only after arriving in Jerusalem. I could see that. Mm-hmm. They're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. So patients who develop Jerusalem syndrome are sent to Kafar Shal Health Center. In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. <laughs> well, because this only happens while you're in Jerusalem. Right. So over 13 years. So from, just get them out of Jerusalem. Well, that's the cure. 1980 to 1993, 1,200 tourists were seen for this. Wow. Yep. This is like a phenomenon. Yeah. 470 were admitted. Like had to stay at the hospital. About 100 people are brought there yearly. 40 of them require admission. Wow. Yeah. The <laughs> symptoms are... Oh, I can't wait for the Anxiety. Symptoms. Urge to leave the group and wander around Jerusalem alone. So if you're on a tourist group and there's one guy that's like, I'm going to go and walk, you know, and yeah. he wants to leave the group, you got to stop watching them. Um, oh, obsession. I would want to do that. I would want to see... It for myself and not go to the usual spots like well, you know. I know, but they kind of okay. So I wouldn't in that area because yeah. it's not necessarily the hotbed of stability. And you don't know where you are. Yeah, but I know. I got gotcha. you. Um, obsession with cleansing, they baths, showers, they're grooming. It's a it's a whole, it's like a um, baptismal thing. Like you're obsessed with grooming being and being clean. They don what a white gown made from bed sheets. This is literally <laughs> the symptoms. Like so, no, if wait, a guy wait, on your tour, are we wearing it like Charlie uh, Brown with holes in it, or are we toga ring? No, it's this? like an old Roman. We're wearing like a toga, like Jesus around and, Jerusalem. Yes, so they're wearing the bedsheet as dress. Could you imagine if we went and I show up in a bedsheet? No, I'd be like, get her to the. the <laughs> admit her. No. Admit her. Um, Laura, what do you think of my sheets? <laughs> do I look okay? On this is, is my are my boobs covered? Um, singing or shouting verses from the Bible or religious songs. <laughs> I'd be fucked because yeah. I couldn't tell you one verse mm-hmm. from the Bible. <laughs> Marching to a holy place. They're not just walking there to see it there. Delivering a sermon in that holy place. So they'll just get up in their bedsheet and start I wouldn't even know what to say. To I wouldn't people. even know what to say. No. Tour guides actually watch for the, those first two symptoms. People that are showing extreme anxiety and the urge to leave the group. Because... They literally are trained. Like, if there's someone that starts wandering, you need to keep an eye on them. If they got a bedsheet on, they send them. But if you're, like... If, if we progress to bedsheets, yes, they get it gone. But if, like, they... The tour guides actually have to watch for those This is symptoms. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jewish people tend to identify with the Old Testament figures because that's what they... Well, now my name is Ben-Hur. It is no, no longer John. Right. Christians identify with the New Testament mm-hmm. figures. 
um, men with male figures, women with women figures. It's not like they, you know, like Mike would go and be like, I'm Mary. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's like, Mike's he would take on, like, I'm John the Baptist or, um, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, the majority of people who get the syndrome are from North America or less frequently Western Europe, mm. Protestant. First word, oh, Protestants. Mm-hmm. In their 20s mm. or 30s, unmarried. Mm-hmm. Most have had very, very religious childhoods. Do they have a lot of cats? <laughs> and then, um, and then most have had like they grew up in very strict religious yes. homes, and then broke with their religion Oof. in er- like adolescence, early mm-hmm. adulthood, mm-hmm. and now they're trying to repair it. Yeah. Um, and they think it's um, the people from North America and Western Europe because religion doesn't really have a place here anymore like you know like you are raised in i mean if you're raised in a very religious family or area it does but in our general lives religion doesn't play a role here it's not people that come from israel or who have other where religion is literally part of your everyday like right so it's kind of it's more accepted there than it is here so they it's just plays out differently um treatment for it don't invalidate the person's belief that they are a biblical or religious figure. Um, mild antipsychotics or tranquilizers um, get them out of Jerusalem and back with their families. It usually stops once they leave the city. That's they bizarre. leave the city and they're fine. They go back with their family. You know, like if they're wandering on a tour group and whatever, and then you reunite them with their family, they're, they're like, oh, okay, I'm not John the Baptist or whatever. <laughs> I am no longer Mary Magdalene. Yeah. So some cases. Ready? Mm-hmm. A woman who thinks she is the Virgin Mary walks to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. I can't say that word. Um, sobs for her dead son, Jesus, at the altar of Golgotha. Um, another Virgin Mary invited bystanders to her son, Jesus's birthday party in Bethlehem. <laughs> um, we're having cake and ice cream, and we're going to do pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah. There are also many John the Baptists who walk around in animal skins trying to baptize people. Like, this is just a I don't even know what I'd do if somebody walked up with a bear skin on and was like, hey, here you go. Um, But this case was, I thought this was the best one. An American middle-aged man came to believe that he was Samson, who is a biblical figure with superhuman strength. I was like, isn't he fake? He's a figure in the Bible. I think it's old. Yeah, but like, not real. Um, But he has this superhuman strength, Mm -hmm. right? So he decided, this man, that part of the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall needed to be moved. He spent time bodybuilding at home in America and then went to Jerusalem. So to he move thinks it. he's Samson before he goes to Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah. Um, guards stopped him and brought him to the Kafar Shal Hospital. One of the staff at the hospital unwisely told him he was not Samson. Oh. So he broke through a window and escaped. A nurse finds him at a bus stop. Well, he was the only one wearing an animal skin. Right. Um, no, he's not John the Baptist. He's Well, I mean, Samson. I'm pretty sure it's Samson. Maybe he was in a bed sheet. Yeah. Uh, a nurse finds him and she sits down. And she's like, oh, my goodness. Only Samson would have the strength to break through that window. Like, yeah. what a great. You are so strong, Samson. And like, back. really. I need some stretches moved. Yeah. Let him believe that he was Samson. Um, and got him to come back and cooperate. Smart and then woman. he was treated and he was fine. Um, but yeah, he thought he was Samson, so he broke up with him. Wow. And that is Jerusalem's name. That's, so you come if up you with go, some good ones today. And you start feeling like 
you might be a biblical character or you want to preach somewhere, yeah. maybe just leave the city for a little bit. Yeah, go, go take to a breather. City go chill out in Egypt there. for a while. Yeah. You know, Take a little break. You'll be better. You just have to leave the area. Now, I should know this. Is Jerusalem in Israel? I think Jerusalem's its own country. Is or is it its own? Isn't Jerusalem its own? Where the hell is Jerusalem? I know it's Middle East. I just don't know where in the Middle East. Oh, please. Now you're I'm just curious. Like, thought... You don't want to be wandering around those areas alone. Especially if you're an American. <laughs> yes, it's the capital of Israel. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. I know that I sound really stupid saying that. Um, no, I, I was like, I thought it was its own thing. Yeah, I'm kind of a dumbass. All right. Well, mm-hmm. since we're on the Jerusalem issue here, I am going to continue with those lovely Romans and the things they love to do to people that they didn't disagree with. Oh, this is going to get rough. With the ultimate torture, the ultimate punishment of crucifixion Oops. and how you actually die from crucifixion. Mm-hmm. I had to tone it down because yeah. it was rough. Mm-hmm. It was rough. So, as we know, the Romans basically ruled the world back in the day and they needed to maintain control. So they had a lot of laws. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you broke their laws, they were going to punish you to keep everybody in line. Because if you lose control of one territory, wow, they're all going to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were different types of punishments for different types of Romans. Okay. So if you're a regular run-of-the-mill Roman citizen, they had fines, bonds, stripes. I don't know really what they did with stripes. Okay. Um, I can't even... Infamy, banishment, slavery, and death. Nice. A Roman citizen... If they were guilty of treason, they could be sentenced to death. Types of death. Mm-hmm. For treason, you could be stripped naked. They would hold your head up with a fork and whip the shit out of you until you died. Ugh. They would behead you. They could strangle you in public. Um, they could throw you in the dungeon. Strangling takes a long time. Yeah, well, we're going to do it in front of everybody. And they like, these were public events. Yes. They liked to oh, everybody, wants they, everybody liked this. They could throw you in a dungeon. They could throw you from a rock or they could throw <gasps> you into a river. It only gets better. Now, political criminals, they start introducing animals. They think it's really good. Let's get wild animals involved in this. Um, Really make it a show. Yeah. Yeah. In 167 BC, army deserters were crushed to death by a horde of elephants. Oh, my God. And it's so popular, death by animal, that they start doing this in the Colosseum daily. Mm -hmm. And hundreds and thousands of people go to the Colosseum every day to see somebody mauled by a lion, eaten by a tiger... Whatever. I feel bad for the poor goddamn animals, to be honest with you. Um, if you killed your father, you were thrown in a leather bag with snakes. Ah! And then the you could either be thrown to the beasts if there was no river around. But if there was a river around, you and the snakes went in the water. Slaves got it different because they were worth money. Oh. So if you were a slave, you got whipped. Some were branded on the forehead. Bump, oh dumbass right there on your forehead. Some were suspended with a weight tied to their neck. And they had to walk around with this weight on their neck. You might uh, have a carry a piece of wood around your neck, too, as well. You could be confined to a workhouse, which consisted of you were strapped to a stick, kind of. Like, um, so you're on a wheel. You know, you'd use oh, animals yes, now. Yeah. And you spun the wheel all day long to crush corn. So oh, you were like Sisyphus in a rock. God. The worst of all the Romans' punishments was the crucifixion. It's not pretty. It is said that crucifixion is the worst form of punishments humans have ever come up with. Wow. Um, I will go over who all the information but professor alan d callahan told pbs Mm -hmm. the romans had a genius for brutality they were good at building 
bridges and they were good at killing people. Yeah. And they were better at it than anybody else in the world or in the Mediterranean basin that they had ever seen before. So Romans perfected mm -hmm. fucking people Talk out there. Crucifixion was considered such a humiliating form of punishment that if you were a Roman citizen, you would never be crucified. Oh. Um, no matter what the offense. It was a form of public terrorism to keep people in line. Right. I mean, they did say at one point there was some battle between the Greeks and the Romans or whatever, and all of the soldiers that were taken, like 300 of them, were crucified <gasps> on a road and just stuck along the road. But ah. it's never been substantiated. So I just threw that, yeah. do that in passing. So crucifixion is more than you just get nailed to a cross. Mm -hmm. It starts with a good old-fashioned flogging. Yes. Okay, so the prisoners were strapped and tied to a block of wood. Mm -hmm. The executioner would whip them with a nine-tailed whip. Ah! The tips of the whip would either have metal or bone clippings on the tip. Oh. Now, you are stripped naked, and they're whipping you. And the, the tips were designed to whip the skin and muscle mm -hmm. off of you. Mm-hmm. And they would make sure that they reached over to your chest when right. they whipped you and your face and your head. <gasps> so you are completely yeah. lacerated. And the purpose of this was to mar the victim beyond recognition <sighs> and to bring you within a brink of death. So you, they could not whip you to death. Mm -hmm. The executioner would make sure that they whip the face and the head and they would put the victim into immediate shock. So this yeah. is what they wanted. They wanted mm -hmm. to put you into immediate shock. So now after you are whipped, you are going to carry the wooden beam that you would be mm -hmm. affixed to. Nailed. And it's not like you see in the movies, a nice wood-shorn, pressure-treated mm -hmm. beam of wood. It was an old ratty, mm -hmm. splinter-filled piece of, of tree. So they made sure that as you're carrying this, all those splinters in the tree are ripping up what's left oh, of your skin. God. And you are walking through town with all of this. Um... All of this now bring, brings on hypovolemic shock because you're bleeding from all of this place. You're, right. And hypovolemic shock occurs when a person loses 20% more of body's blood supply. Symptoms of hypovolemic shock are nausea, sweating, dizziness, confusion, and loss of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So you're really fucked up before yeah. you even get stuck to the cross. Now, once you get to the place of the crucifixion, you're going to be nailed to this cross. Yeah. Nails were driven into the wrists, and this would oh, usually God. pierce the nerves in the wrist. Oh. The direct exposure of the nerve to the nail oh. and the rubbing of the metal against the nerve would be a constant recurring pain that mm. would be brutal anytime the crucifixion person... So, it's I'm going to tell you the crucifixion person pulls up to breathe, but we're going to get more into why they're pulling up. Mm -hmm. So, in 1968, a skeleton dating back to Roman times was found, and the skeleton was clearly crucified. Mm -hmm his wrists still had the nails yeah. in. So it is confirmed that that is how they did exactly. it. This guy, you could they have a picture of it. Mm -hmm. And in between the ulnar and radius, you mm -hmm. can see the nail where he right. was hung. Oh, um, so some people could have their arms tied, but most of them were nailed to the cross. The first, the feet were anchored with nails or a rope, and mm -hmm. you would be on this little tiny block, kind of like you see Christ, mm -hmm. his feet are over this little block. Mm -hmm. So your arms are out, mm -hmm. your feet are up. Once you're upright on the cross, you immediately dis dislocate both your shoulders. Ah! So your arms stretch out six inches on either side, longer than much. they normally would yeah. be. That is contributing to suffocation. Mm -hmm. So um, with the weight of the body pulling down on the diaphragm, you have trouble breathing and getting a mm -hmm. good fresh breath. So you're starting to um, suffocate. Mm -hmm. Talked about the shoulders being stretched out, and this causes the chest 
When you dislocate your shoulders, it causes the chest cavity to protrude outward. So you can breathe in, but you can't breathe out. Mm -hmm. So you're also building up CO2, etc. Mm -hmm. So the victim is constantly trying to pull up to get right. oxygen. Yeah. Right. So they're stepping. Every time they start to collapse, they step. So that's <sighs> rubbing on that nail in their wrist constantly. <sighs> So now you're getting fatigue and muscle cramps in the legs from trying to do this. And the body is really almost in complete shock. You can't breathe. You're losing O2. You're building up CO2. Mm -hmm. And you're adding cardiac stress and hyperventilation. The cardiac stress in some people cause their heart to actually rupture in the, the chest. Oh. Um, you're hyperventilating, bringing on fever and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the fever, it taxes the already mu agonized muscles mm -hmm. and it adds to the pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, so they, they said when you add the anxiety of the pain of the crucifixion anxiety to the pain of mm -hmm. the crucifixion it brings on such a central nervous system shock that people today could never know what that experience is mm -hmm. nobody's i'm not gonna say nobody because some people you hear the torture Girl, they've been through yeah. it but very few people have ever experienced this kind yeah, of totally. um, psychological physical torture yeah. so the guys are bloody mess up on the cross they're losing consciousness they're suffocating but it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. So the executioner, he's tired. He doesn't want to wait any long for this guy to die. So he'll take a sledgehammer to the <gasps> to femur bones ah! and snap their legs ah! so they can no longer push up to fix it. So as if everything else in your life doesn't suck enough, he's just broken both just your femur bones. Just stab you in the chest. Let Imagine how, hot, how much no. it hurts to have both of your femurs no. broken at the same time. No. So he takes a metal to the thighs. He breaks your legs. Speed things up. So without the option of pulling yourself up to breathe, you're going to suffocate and die, which is a blessing yes. at the end of the crucifixion. Yeah. I got that information from 10 excruciating medical facts about the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah, that's... And punishment in ancient Rome's facts and details. Lovely. Yes, it yeah. was rough. I thought I wrote more about that, but it was rough. The yeah. Romans um, were not a kind group yeah. of people to deal with. That's, I mean, you see it, like you see the pictures of, you know, the cross or whatever, and you're like, that's, I can't even fathom, like having, yeah. being nailed to, I just, it's just the whole thing's off, and then you don't think about, like, oh. your shoulder's done. Yep. Like, you know. I always wonder, like, how does that kill you? Well, that's how it kills you. You yeah, suffocate. You can't breathe. The closest depiction I ever saw was the movie The Passion that Mel Gibson did. Oh, yeah. That's I was pregnant with one of my kids when that movie came out. I was like sobbing. Yeah. Because the mother's standing there. Like, oh. take the whole religious aspect out. Right. The mother watching her son mm -hmm. be flogged yeah. to a bloody stump, mm -hmm. walking through the streets, mm -hmm. and it's hot, mm -hmm. it's dirty, mm -hmm. you're bleeding to death, and then having him nailed to the oh, cross no. and watching them do that to yeah. him. Like, I just can't even mm -hmm. fathom. So, mm -hmm. we're going to end this on a happy note. Okay. We got a lovely email. And I have to say to Molly, when your email came in, Laura and I were sitting together at work and Mike uh. sent in the email and we're both separately reading it and we're both cracking up <gasps> because I thought this email was wicked fucking funny. Okay. So Molly writes, dear, the wonderful ladies from the scissors and scrubs podcast. I mean, I already love her because awesome. she thinks we're wonderful. Okay. I want to preface, preface this story by saying I grew up caps, terrified <laughs> of doctors when I was Nine months ago, a nine months old, I'm not really sure what she meant. I had emergency surgery on my heart. I wasn't given the right amount of anesthesia and I woke up during the procedure. And even though I don't remember it, I've had an irrational fear of doctors ever since. Pretty funny how I ended up being a pre-med student in pharmacy tech at 20, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. Due to my fear of doctors and being a sickly child, I hated any trip to the doctor's office, even if it was just a checkup. 
I would cry and scream as a child and do anything I could to get out of an appointment. Mm -hmm. My ideas were typically hiding somewhere in my house or in my very stupid child mind, pretending to be sick so I didn't have to go. <laughs> I was a bright kid. <laughs> when I was 15 years old, my brother noticed a lump on my chin. Like every brother notices. They scan you just to fuck with your yeah. face. Naturally, as all brothers do, he started making fun of me and saying I looked fat. Because that's what brothers do. They're mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. I ignored him, but then everyone was like, damn, she's looking mm -hmm. a bit chunky under her chin. Needless to say, I started wearing scarves. <laughs> Everybody wears scarves to cover shit yeah. up. I'm wearing scarves. However, the lump was hard and growing fast, so eventually I had to go to the doctors to get it checked out. Or move up to column next. Right, I mean, you know, you can keep going. <laughs> of course, I'm trying not to panic. And then they're like, well, maybe it's a tumor. <gasps> you say that no, you don't why would you that? say that just, we're just gonna take yeah. that out oh thanks doc a tumor and a crippling fear of doctors just what i wanted this christmas <laughs> my gp knowing my fear of doctors prescribed me a xanax for my upcoming mri mm -hmm. i took half a pill and went on my way to my mri mm -hmm. i was really skinny at the time and i'm only five feet so that pill pill hit me faster than the train i felt like i shouldn't have been scared but i wasn't i felt like i should have been no she wrote shouldn't but i think i yeah it meant should have been scared but i wasn't i was kind of just there i was dozing off while my mom cried and the doctor <laughs> Of the prospect of me dying of cancer at 15 while my high ass was thinking about what I wanted for dinner. That would be me. Yeah. Can we go to McDonald's? This sounds all very familiar. MRI went as well as it could have. And I started. Give me a second because I got to find the second heart. Uh, and I started home. When I got home was when shit hit the fan. I went to the restroom as one does in my pants. And undergarments was a... Oh. I went to the bathroom as one does. And in my pants and undergarments was a lot of blood. Oh. I immediately thought... This is all coming out of my butt. My organs. Because that's a normal train of thought. My organs were failing, and this was the end. I have I a tumor on my There you go. I have a tumor on my chin. I'm dying and rotting, so now yeah. we're all dead. Um, now I was coming off the Xanax at that point, and you would have thought I drank six beers the way I was acting. So, of course, I'm crying and screaming. Why were you asking your brother? I'm. <laughs> If I'm bleeding up my ass. Why didn't you ask your mom? Like your brother, really? So of course I'm crying and screaming for my brother downstairs and telling him I'm bleeding out and I'm going to die. He starts freaking the fuck out and calling my mom, who is already thinking you're dying of cancer. My mom runs upstairs and takes one look at me and says, you started your period, you idiot. You want bleeding out of your asshole. I'm dying. I'm dying of my asshole. Believe it or not. I was so out of it. I needed a little convincing. <laughs> How do you convince somebody that's period blood, not your asshole yeah. blood? No, really look at it. <laughs> Put a take tampon it, in. I guarantee you it yeah. stops. Don't smell it. Wipe in the front. See <laughs> <laughs> what if she had hemorrhoids at the same time, though? Because mm, then you wipe your ass. It's going to be blood. Yeah. All right. But after I was sure I wasn't on the brink of death, parentheses, not do do GI bleeding at least. I decided that was my first and only time I'd take a Xanax. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> you might want to stay on this. I hope I'm not too illiterate that you all couldn't find something to enjoy from the story. Oh, I enjoyed the story. Yeah. And I love watching your podcast and can't wait for another year of Scissors and Scrubs. Well, let's hope we can keep it going. Yep. <laughs> that uh, was, I was dying of bleeding out your asshole. Bleeding out my asshole. <laughs> my brother would be like, you're a fucking moron. That's disgusting. No one knows your ass and you're bleeding. <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> I got your room. <laughs> oh, so that, that is, so is our joyful Easter yeah, episode. Yeah. Go get your Cadbury creamed eggs, mm. my all-time favorite Easter candy. Mm -hmm. Or your Cadbury mini eggs. I love, I love those eggs. too. I love me some mini eggs. Mm -hmm. I, I just got, see all this pink shit on the floor? Because Sam keeps stealing it. I just got edible Easter 
Easter grass. basket grass. Where did you get? What is it like gum? I don't know. It's like weird styrofoam, but it tastes like strawberry, and you can eat it. That doesn't I sound good for you on any level. Sam, he's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Why, why are you eating that? What are you doing?" He's like, "Wait, is that edible? Wait a minute, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just thought I'd try it." And he's like, "You can't eat. It's plastic. Isn't it plastic? Is it plastic? Can you eat that? What are you doing?" And then he stops. It's like, "Wait, it tastes like strawberry. Wait, can wait, I wait. eat this? Is this okay?" Where but, did you find it, Michaels? Edible Easter grass. Yeah, so I'm gonna go that get and some I put, of that. Like the little chocolate eggs in. Oh, I'm getting that. Mm. This. Because most of the time, I have picking out fucking Easter grass out of their bedrooms in July. Forever. Yeah. Well, as you can see, it's now down the basement. Yeah. But at least you can eat it. At least <laughs> it will biodegrade at some yeah. point. <laughs> so happy Easter, happy Passover, happy whatever else you celebrate. Yes. And happy we'll spring. See you Just in... happy spring. Yeah. We're gonna cover um, marathon running yeah. and the and the shit that happens at marathon. Oh, the shit that happens. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.